Hey there, welcome back to Cut the Crypt. Last week we had Freesha join us on the podcast to talk about NFTs. This week I spoke to Freesha on her podcast Wack about the dark side of crypto. We are also sharing the episode here on Cut the Crypt. We discussed the environmental impact of crypto, the rise in criminal transactions and fraud, and more. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Rohas. Hi, Frisia. How are you? Thanks for calling me over. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on to Wack. And uh, I just told everyone about the episode that we also recorded the previous one as well. Oh, that's nice. So, Rohas, you know, when anything new comes, and especially something that is this big, and something that revolutionizes the way we work, the way we think, the way our ecosystems operate, uh, along with the hype, there's also you know certain downfalls that slowly start uncovering and unraveling, and. The first thing that I really want to talk about when it comes to cryptocurrency, because also I feel so strongly about this, is the environmental impact that crypto has. I read somewhere where they said that a transaction of a Bitcoin leaves behind the number of carbon footprint that would be left behind by 6,80,000 visa transactions or 5,200 hours of YouTube watching. Now, those numbers just feel really big. And I want to understand what true impact does cryptocurrency and especially mining have on the environment and the carbon footprint that it leaves? Sure. So let's take this at two levels. So one is that when Bitcoin started, which was the world's first cryptocurrency, they use a consensus mechanism called proof of work. Now, after that, a lot of other cryptos have come into the world. There are more than 5,000 actively traded cryptos. And many of them don't use proof of work anymore. So in the long run, we would anyway see the energy consumption really going down. That's one aspect of it. Now, the second aspect is I feel it's a little unfair when people always hold this environmental impact against Bitcoin. Do we ever calculate the environment impact of a bank? They may have hundreds of thousands of employees who travel in air-conditioned cars to air-conditioned offices who then fly around the world in aeroplanes. All of this also generates a huge amount of pollution, right? And it has a massive impact. Why is that never calculated? So, you know, every industry in the world could be accused of causing pollution. Anything that humans do causes pollution. So why only single out Bitcoin for this? So I think that's a very unfair thing that people do. But somewhere they also seem to talk about it in like really big numbers and like a magnitude of like, uh, oh, you know, in China, there's this going on and uh, over here, the mining is causing this problem. But there must be something that is requiring people to kind of point at it. Or do you think just because it's new? I think it's a lot of agenda. So if you look at the news around crypto, it always goes in cycles. So, you know, there will always be a cycle where suddenly the negative news becomes more. So people would talk about countries banning crypto. They would talk about the environmental impact of it. And then they would talk about how, you know, so-and-so is stopping to use Bitcoin. For example, Elon Musk. Then sometime later, after the prices have fallen, you will see positive news starting to come. 
So I think a lot of this is just news cycles by people with an agenda. And it now just based on what you just said, it also then the next thing that makes me think about crypto and a, a particular dark side that does exist is the volatility of this market. Taking Elon as an example, we spoke about him in the last episode as well. He just tweets something, he writes something, it's a joke for him. And you literally see markets rising and falling. Doesn't that make it feel a little unstable to an extent? I think crypto is important because it is volatile. So most of the people today who buy and sell crypto are not crypto consumers, as in they are not people doing actual blockchain transactions. They are people looking to make a lot of money, people looking at a 10x, 100x, 1000x. And if that volatility didn't exist, they wouldn't be able to make such kind of profits. Of course, you could end up losing in the same ratio. So I think volatility is what is making crypto grow so much. The dream that one day Bitcoin could be a million dollars is what drives a lot of it. The dream that one day a Dogecoin could be one dollar, that's the kind of stuff that actually drives most of the people who buy and sell crypto. So I think volatility is what keeps it going. So there, it is like, so it's a dark side. And if you're ready to say, okay, you know what, I can pull up my socks and I can deal with the consequences and the circumstances of what could follow. There's a lot of money to be made if you play it smart or maybe not. <laughs> you're absolutely right. There is a lot of money to be made and a lot of money to be lost. Right, right. So yeah, it's like either you want to embrace that dark side or not then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> Another thing, you know, that I find very surprising that is the influencer-led uh, thing on crypto, right? Where you literally have like, these random influencers and I there is a YouTube channel you know I have to give a shout out to him right now his name is Spencer Cornelia and he is constantly after people like he basically like calls out people that are selling fake scams and every alternate episode of his is about some influencer who is embroiled in some crypto scam where they're telling you like, buy this and you can get $100 worth free and then you can do this and do that and buy this crypto, sell that crypto. And we've seen that, right? Somehow we see a lot of influencers who seem to be having this big impact on cryptocurrency. And that scares me a little bit. That's a good point. But it's not only crypto where you have influencers. Today in almost every area of our lives, we see influencers always trying to sell us something. Even the stock market has certain influencers who I don't want to name. So it's not something which is only for the crypto world. It's everywhere. And yes, in the crypto world, we do have people like Elon Musk who sometimes don't make much sense. You know, the way they change their words and the way they kind of promote some crypto and then bash it later. So obviously, you know, we call these the evil billionaires and they have their own agenda for doing this, right? So in fact, if you realize that in the long run, the best way to make money from any asset is because of the ups and downs. If an asset is only going to go up, you actually can't make that much money from it. So again, you know, they have an agenda behind this. Every influencer has an agenda when they are either promoting or bashing something. And that's what we should actually look for. Totally. But any influencer would have an agenda because they've also been paid by that company 
to speak in that particular way for that product right so in the crypto world you don't need to be paid by a company because you could individually buy a position or sell a position in a crypto and then accordingly promote or bash it and you don't even need a third party paying you you could make your own money out of it so that's something which is very common sure yeah but you do see a lot of these guys who do get paid by companies because you'll normally see them like promoting an exchange more than a, a particular currency kind of like the 100 rupees worth of bitcoin you could buy you know those ads which were coming around the cricket matches recently ha 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 that kind of stuff yeah yeah true absolutely exchanges have a lot well, to gain what is, from that yeah what is this if you can tell all the listeners so a few days ago during the cricket matches i forgot whether it was the ipl or some other match so there were a lot of ads there were multiple ads by multiple agencies where they're telling people you can buy a 100 rupees of crypto now that is extremely irresponsible because it is so wrong to tell people who can't afford much money to invest 100 rupees in bitcoin and with the dream that they would suddenly become really rich and we see a lot of such irresponsible ads around us and that's actually really bad for the industry and that's the thing right like take for example like kim kardashian i mean honestly i think she's a very clever woman she must be doing some things right for her to be where she is in her life today right but my only thing is when she starts telling me like about cryptocurrency or when she starts telling me about how i should be with a particular exchange especially when it comes with a topic like this i just i can't buy into it i'm really happy you said that you can't buy into it because it's nice if people realize who you should listen to for what so like a certain influencer may be really good in one area say makeup so listen to them about makeup but don't listen to them about money and if someone's really good with money listen about that and don't listen to makeup tips from them so i'm happy that you think like that in fact i did get approached by a few exchanges you know uh to promote them yeah to promote them and it was i just didn't feel confident enough and especially when it comes to matters like money i feel uh, i'm very cautious about what i tell other people like i've been approached by even uh, companies that uh, deal in stocks let's say now because i'm not very uh, fluent in how stocks work whether i don't know how to work those markets I just didn't want to be that kind of person telling my viewers and my listeners to invest them because it's money it's hard earned money at the end of the day I sh- I wish all influencers thought like you <laughs> But now that I've also started uh, trading a little bit and I've started understanding maybe like in a year or two if I feel confident enough I would do it but definitely not at this stage So coming back like to other things that i found that you know make me feel like definitely cryptocurrency has a dark side is um the fact that it is also being now preferred by criminals and terrorists for payment and trade it's unregulated there's all this anonymity like you said earlier as well you know you don't need to know which part of the world the transaction has come from is it something that you know will lead to uh, another underground route that is suddenly taking place very good question so actually as you know personally i come from the cyber crime investigation background and i have worked with the law enforcement agencies in 18 countries and i first came across bitcoin in 2011 when it was being used by the drug mafia 
so even my introduction to crypto was because we were solving a crime now having said that let me first ask you a question did crime begin in the world in 2008 when bitcoin was first born or was crime happening even before that we've always had crime right so even in the days of the moguls there were crime even thousands of years ago there was crime so at that time maybe criminals used gold and silver then they moved on to cash and now yes some of them have moved on to crypto but that's not a reason to say anything negative about it because anything could be misused by a criminal you could buy a knife and then cut vegetables with it or stab someone with it the knife per se is not at fault now having said that initially yes bitcoin was used for a lot of crime and then as the world moved on a lot of people realized that bitcoin is pseudo anonymous at the end of the day transactions and addresses can be tracked to a great extent and then that led to the birth of privacy coins like monero and today in my personal opinion bitcoin primarily is only misused by the ransomware creators and other criminals have moved on to privacy coins in a big way but that's something which is kind of unavoidable criminals will always try to look for better and better ways of doing their work because that's their business at the end of the day but that's not enough reason to bash an entire technology or an entire industry sure but if what happens with something like that while i agree it's not fair to bash it what feels like is that we've given birth to another means and another route for crime to take place like what i found is that uh, scams related to cryptocurrency rose by 81% in 2021 compared to last year and it feels like now we've given crime another new channel to like find its route interesting see crime is of two types crime of passion and crime for money i mean those are the two real reasons that people commit crimes right now crime of money means wherever money moves crime is bound to move there so initially we had banks which used to use physical ledgers so that is the reason there were bank robberies where people would actually break into banks physically and steal money then as we moved into e banking criminals also moved there and today you have huge number of e banking crimes that happen now because a lot of money is moving into crypto naturally criminals will also move there and that is something that's going to happen forever wherever money moves crime moves so yeah that's unavoidable we really interesting to see how it kind of then moves into a metaverse as well oh absolutely it's nice that you just said this because like you said like the crime keeps moving there's also the flip side of the crime of cryptocurrency where cryptocurrency is getting stolen now there was this uh, article that i read where it said that an anonymous hacker roughly stole 600 million in cryptocurrency from poly network and then he gave it back uh, obviously he probably did that just to show that the system can be penetrated and 4 months later this hacker stole 150 million from bitmart and there what they went and they did is that they used a stolen private key to open the wallets and extract the funds now they always told us that your money will be initially right when cryptocurrency came one of like the you know on the scale of advantages and disadvantages in the advantages column was that your money will always be safe no one can hack into it uh because the key will always stay with you but now of course we're seeing this changing that's a good point so actually that's not true any technology in the world can be hacked so that's quite an overstatement if people say that blockchain cannot be hacked so in fact we saw bitcoin getting hacked in about 
and billions of bitcoins were created. Although we all know that the max number of bitcoins can be 21 million with an M, but we've actually seen an attack where billions were suddenly created. And then later, of course, that attack was kind of reversed. And in fact, the reason that we have two versions of Ethereum today, the Ethereum Classic and the regular, is because the world's first DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization on Ethereum was hacked for millions of dollars. So there are a lot of hacks which happen and the number is only going to grow. But most of the attacks today are driven towards keys where, you know, in the world of crypto, you have an address, which is kind of like a bank account number. And then to move your cryptos around, you have a private key, which only you're supposed to have. And you could write this private key down on a piece of paper and keep it. That's called a paper wallet, which is considered very safe. So a lot of the attacks are focused on traditional phishing and spoofing methods to get people's private keys and then move their crypto out. So that's not really a successful blockchain attack. I would say it's an attack at the end user level. Kind of like if your banking wallet gets hacked, it's not really the bank which got hacked. It's your banking wallet which was compromised because your key or password was stolen. Having said that, now with so many smart contracts and other protocols coming in, there are bound to be mistakes that software developers make. I mean, no developer is going to be 100% confident that his code will never get hacked. So that's another layer which happens where, you know, the badly written smart contracts are also being hacked. And then as new blockchains emerge, we also see more protocol level attacks happening. So there's something called Bitcoin SV, which is a, you know, a fork of Bitcoin. And this year, I think they suffered two 51% attacks, which is an attack on the hash rate of a blockchain. So yes, we do see all this happening. And I think that would just increase. But that's everywhere. Wherever you use technology, you have this risk. That's what I was just going to say, right? We hear of like banks, we hear of wallets, we hear of uh, systems getting hacked all the time. And I guess this is something that will just continue happening because in fact, it seems that in 2020, five of the 10 largest crypto thefts of all time happened. So obviously, I guess like these numbers are just increasing as we keep going. Absolutely. As more money moves to crypto, crime is bound to increase. Crypto is about two plus trillion dollars today. That's a huge amount. And it's probably going to go up to five trillion in the next few years. So definitely the crimes here are going to increase. And now with things like the metaverse coming and people buying NFTs. So, you know, today you could actually buy virtual clothes as NFTs and then take them into your metaverse where your digital avatar will wear those. And I'm sure soon you'll have somebody in the metaverse who holds a gun up and says, give me your shoes or I'll shoot you down. And that's probably going to be a new kind of crime that's going to emerge. Yeah, yeah. That's what, uh, you know, while all of us keep talking about this exciting world of metaverse and we'll virtually be like meet you in the verse and all of that. Uh, I think maybe we've just made people also realize that, like you said, if when things change and evolve, the crime will just follow. Absolutely. So in fact, when my wife was using the metaverse a few weeks ago, the first thing she said was there's, there's so much Eve teasing here. It's like 10 times more than what you would face in real life. The moment you enter the metaverse, you have a bunch of people hitting on you. And <laughs> yeah, that, that's the way it is. It's almost like the rules of morality will suddenly change, right? Because see, it didn't really physically happen. It happened in this virtual space. And then like you know, how do we decide like the right and the wrong? But yeah, uh, that's another thing for another topic on another whole day where we can talk about morality in relationships. 
What what also, you know, strikes me is that let's take China as an example, because China was, of course, like one of the countries that was along with America in the forefront when it comes to cryptocurrency. And mining was something that was taking place to a very big extent in China. Now, somewhere I've read this number where it said that 65% of crypto mining was taking place in China. And very recently, they pulled the plug. They said that they're banning all mining and it needs to move out of the country. And while, yes, I may not be a fan of everything that comes out from China, but I definitely do feel that somewhere they must be doing certain things correctly because look at where they are today and where their position is in the world. And then that makes me feel like, okay, if they banned it, there must be something behind it that they wanted it out of their country. That's an interesting perspective that you have. Now, the problem with China is that there's a lack of transparency. So we don't really know what happens. We primarily have to go based on what the media say has happened. Yeah, or primarily by what they tell the media. That's correct. So because of that, it's kind of difficult for me to say. But I do get the argument against banning mining. Because it is going to consume a huge amount of electricity. And unless your country has surplus electricity, it doesn't make sense for you to allow mining to happen. So like, for example, in a country which needs the electricity for agriculture and industry and is still facing a shortfall... It doesn't make economic sense to invite mining there because you're just going to make the surplus even bigger and your conventional activities are going to be hit. So I do get the logic behind certain countries not wanting to allow mining. And if China has actually done it for those reasons, it kind of makes a lot of sense. So wh why do you think they banned it? You think it was just because of this? Actually, that's a very tough question to answer because I've heard that they have a surplus of electricity. So I'm not really sure what was the reason. So one reason could be that because they're one of the first countries in the world to come out with their own CBDC, which is a central bank digital currency. And if the central bank of the country is going to come out with its own digital currency, it kind of makes sense to not allow private cryptocurrencies in such a scenario. So they banned cryptocurrencies some time ago and now they've banned the mining also. So I think that's a step in the right direction because of their own CBDC. Now, see, that kind of really makes sense to me. And puts it in a much like better perspective. What about mining in India? I I don't know whether how this works, but we are one of the pioneers. We have some of the biggest solar plants in the world. Would mining then, would it be able to operate on solar power where then you don't have to depend on the electricity generation of a country? Uh, sure, that's a good point. So, see, ideally mining should be done in cold countries not hot countries, because those computers heat up a lot and then you have to spend a lot of energy on cooling them down, which is why if you put up mining in cold countries, it automatically cools the computers to a great level. So putting up mining centers in a really hot place to use the solar may not be such a good idea. And definitely mining in India, I would be totally against that because we still have a huge electricity deficit. Till, you know, every single village in my country has electricity, I don't think as an Indian, I would want mining to come here. Even if it was just doing it with the solar power. But then, like you said, that solar energy should be used to light up a village rather than a computer that's going to mine. That's correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, now that we're like talking about India and, you know, we're talking about our country and where we stand when it comes to crypto, 
for me what makes it feel very flippant is because of where our government stands i've always been feeling like they've been like yes no yes no yes no and that could be a deterrent for people coming out of india now please correct me if i'm wrong what i've been told is that yes i can take my money i can put it into cryptocurrency but when the time comes for me to take it out i won't be able to take this money and put it back into my accounts here <laughs> no so that's again the yes no yes no is because of the media the government doesn't actually say so much it's the media who keeps creating these stories of yes and no so legally speaking what had happened was a few years ago i think it was 2018 where the reserve bank of india told the banks not to offer banking services to crypto exchanges see because the reserve bank of india governs banks not individuals so the rbi can't tell you and me what to do but they can only tell the banks so they told the banks not to offer these facilities these crypto exchanges then went to the supreme court of india saying if crypto is not banned it's not illegal how can the rbi stop banks from giving us services and that kind of made sense so the supreme court said that that rbi ban is unconstitutional because crypto is not illegal so option is for the government to make a law making crypto illegal then automatically rbi will ban or no bank will give you that service now after that today the situation is crypto is not illegal so there is no law in india which talks about crypto which means you are free to buy sell hold but of course you would pay tax so just like you make profit from any activity and pay tax on it you are expected to pay tax on the money you make from crypto you don't need a special law to tell you that the normal income tax law covers that so now we are all hoping that the government of india in due time would come out with a carefully thought legislation and i hope that legislation doesn't try to put all cryptos in one category because i believe there are 11 types of crypto assets two of which work like currencies the others don't so you know the government should ideally look at what the crypto does and then regulate it based on that and that's kind of what i hope will happen next year so we have a couple of miles to go before we can really as a country get very comfortable with crypto and understand where we stand when it comes to it i saw this really interesting article which spoke about i think the mayor of new york turned around and said that he now wants to be paid in cryptocurrency and when an official body turns around you know somebody that is from the government and represents when that person turns around and says that they want to be paid in crypto it also it gives a message out to the people right it does and different countries are at different stages of development so for example i would say the crypto friendliest country in the world is probably japan which also happens to be one of the biggest economies in the world then we look at countries like el salvador which is a tiny place and they've gone ahead and become the first country in the world to make bitcoin legal tender correct they have atms all over the place that's true and you could walk into a mcdonalds there and buy a burger and pay in bitcoin and now they're raising a billion dollars through something called a bitcoin bond where they would use half the money to build a bitcoin city which would have zero taxes So there's a lot of innovation happening around the world but it also depends upon where the country stands and what kind of people it has. So for an El Salvador it's more a matter of survival and trying to fit in and for Japan it's an extremely evolved view because well that's a whole different country. But when it comes to India we've got to look at everything from an Indian perspective. You know the kind of people we have, their tech friendliness level, the way in which we think. So 
so every country is different and i think every country needs to customize its crypto laws depending on its own citizens yeah that's the way we think is so essential right as indians we're very very conservative about our money we are you know we always have been born and brought up with this outlook of like when i die there should be lots of money still left for the next generation other parts of the world nobody thinks like that they are like i will work i will spend all my money i don't need to leave anything behind for anyone uh so rightly so like you said i think the way we think also about money is very different from other parts of the world true you know rohas i mean with all tech and with all evolutions and revolutions that take place while i said in the beginning there is like a flip side to everything some things are here to stay and crypto definitely is here to stay now so what would be the way forward when it comes to us accepting cryptocurrency first of all in as a market and secondly also what would be maybe like a sustainable and a safe way for mining to continue as well excellent questions so for the future i think it's very important that before putting money into crypto you understand crypto so here i'd like to plug i run a lot of free online courses i've written a free ebook called future money playbook and other people have also created a lot of excellent content so my recommendation would be is before you put a single rupee into crypto first learn and understand what each crypto project does before you actually put your money into it and about the sustainability part so what's beginning to happen now so when the world started with bitcoin there was just one consensus mechanism called proof of work and even ethereum uses that and that is where the environmental issues come in so now we are beginning to see a lot of new consensus mechanisms coming in so even ethereum is moving towards proof of stake away from proof of work and i feel in the future even bitcoin could follow in that direction and then that would kind of take care of these environmental concerns i mean it would bring down the energy consumption to a fraction of what's today happening so i think that would happen in due time great so there are ways forward and there are ways to you know work around all of it i guess it just requires a certain change of mindset a certain accepting of technology a certain education that definitely is needed and from me and rohas i hope that we've managed to educate you a lot on cryptocurrency today understanding both sides of the coin and to all our listeners if you have any other nft related questions you can record a voice note and ask me on audiowala.com/ask-rohas we'll feature the voice note on the podcast and answer your question i'll be back next week thanks for listening and of course subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already